Johnson, man. I appreciate coming on and doing this with me. Thank you so much, man. This is a, it's been a great journey for me so far, and I'm really happy that you came here to be guest number one. I don't know how this whole thing is going to go, but you know, we're here to have a good, good time and just enjoy a conversation. And no matter what happens, you're always going to be guest number one, man. So I thank you, and I really appreciate you being here. This means a lot to me. It really does. Hey, I appreciate it. You know, hey, uh, hey, the pleasure's all mine. You know, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Dominic is how old now? Whew, he's a year and a half. Year and a half old, man. Yeah. Again, congratulations on that. Yeah, this is you. your first child, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I should know that already. <laughs> what has it been like raising a child the first time? This is your first one compared to what people have been telling you, especially family. Oh, man, it's like, uh, you know, you, you won't know what you're getting yourself into uh, until you, you know, until you dive right in. You know, it's just like uh, people tell you so many different things. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, I'm just doing the best I can to take it all in. But uh, you don't really know what you get yourself into until you really have it, you know, until you have your own kid. And I have to say, it's an amazing feeling. Wow, man. What's been the biggest lesson you've learned in 18 months of being a dad? Patience. No shit. <laughs> that simple, huh? Yeah, yeah, that simple. You know, just patience. Uh, you know, just uh, you know, I don't take you know anything for granted. You know, especially with everything that's been going on. Absolutely, man. And on top of that, with the pandemic being here and we've all been stuck inside, mm-hmm. how has that been? Not only are you a first-time mm-hmm. dad, but first-time dad, and hey, you're pretty much you're both at home now. How do we adjust to this? Yeah, it was definitely difficult. You know, just like uh, parks were closed, uh, you know, recreational parks, uh, theme parks. Um, yeah, for Dominic's first birthday, you know, it, it was only me, my wife, and him for his first birthday. And uh, that was really hard, you know. It's just that uh, we couldn't rent anything out. We couldn't go anywhere. couldn't do anything. But, you know, we, uh, you know, overall, we made it work. And... Uh, we're promised to uh, make it up to him when things get better. That's so awesome, man. Do you think he's understanding that, even though he's <laughs> only a year and a half old? Uh, I don't think he's gotten to that point yet, but uh, for, for, for a kid who's only a year and a half, he's, uh, he amazes me every day. He's really smart. That's so awesome, man. Again, congratulations yeah, on thank that. You. What do you think you can, when, when he gets of age, I'm assuming he'll probably still be living in the same area. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned growing up in this area about what you want to get him ready for because it's a different world man i mean what we what me and you grew up with even though i grew up on a different part of the bay area Mm -hmm. the things that we saw these kids are growing up in a whole different world and it's sometimes it's scary sometimes it's exciting to see the opportunities that they actually have but what lessons would you actually give give him based upon what you've seen growing up around here uh you know it's uh it's definitely you know I grew up in a rough neighborhood, you know, but, uh, you know, so uh, my plan is for Dominic to have a better future and for him to have a better experience, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, have more of a childhood, you know, something that I never had, you know, but uh, I guess the, the biggest thing that I would just tell him is just be a leader. Don't be a follower. You wow. Know? That's actually really important because so many times and we've we've, we've kind of seen it in different times in our jobs and in, in our, our lives is that 
there does seem to be kind of less of an accountability with, with, with people. Mm -hmm. I know me and you have talked about several times about just people we've interacted with, whether we've known them together or not, where it's like, you know, you would think common sense would say you should do this because it's just the right thing to do mm -hmm. and people just aren't getting it. And I don't know if it's all social media's fault, but I like to think that's probably a part in that. Oh, well, what yeah. do you think it's been? Honestly, I just think it's a combination of, of, of everything of, uh, you know, it's just uh, parents, you know, they're not ready to have kids, but they have kids. You know, and they just get brushed off to the side and they get thrown to society. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just kids today. Yeah, they just don't know how to act. You know, it, it's just terrible. And then just seeing, especially today, what's been going on with like uh, like the hate crimes and, you know, you know, just all that and the robberies and the, during the pandemic is just, it really shows, you know, what kind of parents these kids had or have, you know. Or have now. Yeah, you know, it's definitely a big thing. I mean, sometimes it's hard to see a lot of people in our a, a generation trying to balance it. You have both parents who are working and then you have to raise your, your child or children. And sometimes when we were growing up, we just kind of assumed that what our parents did or our grandparents did, we'll just do the same thing. And then it doesn't really work out that way now. Like everything is so expensive now. I mean, you've seen the price of the homes around here and how oh, they yeah. just keep going up. <laughs> It's like, how are you supposed to compete with that? Oh, yeah. Just a condo here in the city. It's, a, it's at least a mill. For like 600 square feet. Pretty much. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, people may, may make a joke about it nationally, but yeah, it's in San Francisco, you can get a closet for about a million dollars. Go anywhere else in the country, you could buy a palace or a mansion with that. It's, I agree. It's, um, yeah, I just, I wouldn't know the best way to tell if I ever had a child, what to actually tell them about what they're going to be exposed to every day. Even the little things like, have you even talked about what age he would probably get a cell phone? Honestly, I have not had that conversation with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say, you know, maybe sometime during elementary, you know, just like uh, not, not to really conversate with their friends or, you know, or not that is more of like uh more of an emergency kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Well, that part make, makes sense, but just think about, okay, what if he gets on Instagram or Facebook? You know, am I, am, am I okay with that? Is he going to be, do I have to teach him how to, because this is not anything that we ever had to learn. No one gave us a cell phone and said, hey, this is what you got to know, <laughs> nothing right. It was just, we had the internet on the computer and that was about it. And even then we didn't know what we were doing. That's true. That's very true. I mean, there was one time in college when, you know, you remember MySpace? <laughs> I do remember, remember when MySpace. that thing came out. <laughs> when that came out, that was such a big deal. And everybody thought we, we all thought that we were so cool because we had a MySpace and we could put all of our pictures and all the stuff about who we are on the Internet and think we were all special <laughs> and whatnot. And man, looking back on that now, that was nothing compared to this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just blown up with uh, just exposure. And then people don't understand, you know, right around the time we were like 25 years old, we didn't have the iPhone. That mean that what that came out what oh seven oh eight we still had flip phones oh yeah we were still like do you remember do you remember, do you remember texting on those things the little flip phones and you oh, were yeah. trying to read what this was 
or trying to go on the web on these flip phones and not knowing, okay, this is a, I don't know where I'm going with this. Oh yeah. It's just uh yeah. I remember having those phones. It's like, yeah, you couldn't go on the internet. Um, I guess depending on what kind of plan you had, sometimes you couldn't even text, you know? So the only thing you, you know, the only thing you could do was make a phone call. Do you remember going on wherever, traveling wherever, and you would have to print up the maps? <laughs> to go there you would have to be actually say okay we're, we're going to maple street and make a right turn where's maple street i don't know it says it's that way and oh, now yeah. all you do is plug your phone in and it tells you everything oh yeah i remember printing out the directions and getting from point a to point b like dude that was actually it sounds bad but that was actually fun back then <laughs> to make a journey out of just simply going from point a to point b or going on a road trip and just yeah. going with the flow and say we're going here i don't know i kind of sometimes these phones take a lot of the fun away from that it's true. It's true. You know, the, the kids today, you know, they, you know, they don't, they don't run and ride bikes, play tag, and get hurt. They just stay at home and they're just stuck on their cell phones now. Crazy. What was an exciting story when, when you were a kid, when you were about 15 years old, that you remember about just doing something crazy that no one can do anymore or no one does anymore? Well, I guess so. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just that, you know, it's just like when I was 15, you know, we all had our little BMX bike or little mongoose, you know, it's just, we would just meet up, just ride around the city and that's just all we did. We didn't get in any trouble. We just. Did you have the pegs? Oh yeah. Remember the pegs? <laughs> did you have front and back? Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> man, how many horror stories happened with that? Just falling off of somebody's bike because you didn't know what you were doing. It's just like stand there and hold onto my shoulders. Okay, where are we going? I don't know. We're just going to go and whatever happens, happens. Man, there was one time when I was, how old was I? I think I was 14 or 15. Do you remember Niles Canyon? Well, it's out there in Fremont. I don't think I've ever been there. So part of that area over there, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a raging river or a rapid, mm-hmm. small river, depending on the, the time of the year. We used to go over there and just jump in there randomly and swim, and we had no idea what we were doing. We thought it was fun. And it's like, now that I think about it, it might not have been such a good idea to do that back then. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because all the stories that you see on TV now, it's like, oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have done that. But we were like, whatever, 14 or 15 years old, we were young and dumb, and we thought it was fun. And it was fun. And <laughs> I mean, we got scared a couple of times, but you're like, you know, you just go with it. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, I didn't learn how to swim till my last semester of college. So yeah, there was no way I could have put that off. What was your sport? Sport. Well, uh, you know, I've always played it recreationally, uh, you know, ever since elementary. Well, I guess elementary, everybody played kickball, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, dodgeball. Oh, yes. Remember that? Dodgeball. <laughs> Dodgeball was big in elementary and uh, in middle school for sure. Did you ever get too rough with it? <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy got me out, so I'm okay. You're it, man. Yeah, but uh, uh, the main sports that I did play, um, yeah, it was just basketball and football. And I think in high school, uh, I, I did join JV, but uh, I had to quit to work two jobs. But, you know, that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, even just thinking back on about all those things that we just talked about here, it's like kind of makes you want to say, how can I make sure that our kid, our, the next generation coming up can experience what we did? Exactly. 
And it's like, do you think that, 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 that they can? Like, what would you think Dominic's experience would be? I think uh, I'm going to try my hardest, you know, just just pretty much you know, just allow him to just be him, just be have, you know, just be whoever he wants to be. You know, it's just like I don't want to put any any limitations on him. Like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. It's just, you know, it's like whatever you want to do, you know, mom and dad will support you kind of thing, you know. But of course, you know, it, it's got to be something that we got to agree upon like you can't like oh yeah uh yeah mom dad i'm, I'm gonna be a mud gigolo <laughs> i mean <laughs> we don't know what this world's gonna be like in 10 15 years and <laughs> that's true Ooh, what if you said tackle football i think i'd be okay with that you good with that but then how about the course, wifey i mean i think the wife would be okay with that too but at the same time it's just you know it's just the uh, we don't know the long-term effect of like you know them getting tackled them getting hit mm-hmm. and brain damage you know just all that but you know that's it, real man yeah yeah and just even in contact sport even if uh dominic wants to be uh i don't know an mma fighter i i think me and the wife would support him but at the same time once again what's going to be the long-term effect yeah you know dude there's so much that we know now that we didn't know when we were kids. Exactly. Remember going to McDonald's when we were kids and you'd go to the counter and behind the counter, all the burgers were already lined up. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I do. Like give me two cheeseburgers and they would just go behind. Okay. They've been pre-made. Who knows how long they've been sitting there for. And exactly. we just accepted it what it is. Yep. And now that we get older, we're like, uh, what were we thinking back then? <laughs> like, was that okay? Like just all these little things that actually changed up around us. You know, I was at a park in um, in one of the cities on the peninsula not too long ago, and they were doing this camp, this mini camp for young kids, mm-hmm. trying to teach them to play like contact sport, not contact sports, but team sports. These are like 12, 14-year-old kids, and they've been cooped up inside the house, especially this past year with the pandemic. So you know, the organizers of this event were really trying to get people out there, get the kids out there, get some fresh air, run around, and learn what it, what, it, what it takes to actually be part of a team yeah. and interact with each other. They had a guest one day, and it was somebody that got drafted in the NFL in the past draft, but he's a local kid. And it was inspiring because he came out there to talk to the kids about teamwork, where he came from, where he's at now, and just the so many opp- just the opportunities that are available to young people now that, I mean, we just didn't really think about back then. No. But now it's like you really put the work in, and, you know, and you're willing to sacrifice a lot of fun times, especially in your, in your, in your teens and 20s. Like there's just no telling where you can actually go now. It's true. So it was uh, what's funny. He was at he was talking to them about NFL football and tackle football. And there, there, there was a parent over there asking about contact sports like, you know, should we be tackling? Should we not be? What should we do? And I, I could tell he was trying to toe that line of how do I answer this correctly or whatnot? And he basically told her, uh, you know, it worked for me. I had to get that push. There was a coach that I had that really pushed my my limits, and I needed that because I was undersized or I wasn't the best skilled at this. I had to learn how to take a hit. Otherwise, I would have just been getting demolished on the field. But, you know, to be able to still make that sacrifice is hard. Oh, yeah. Like, did you hear about in the military, about that, that stress card they were having for a while? I'm not sure. 
So what it was is when you go to boot camp, if I remember this right, I mean, someone would probably correct me if I'm wrong, but there was, you know how in boot camp, the drill, the drill instructor, instructor has to pretty much get on you to make sure that you get the job done, mm-hmm. to make sure that you pass. And it's kind of sort of like a rite of passage. You're weeding out the weaker elements and you're making the ones who stay around stronger. Yeah. Like there's actually a thing where, you know, if you feel that you're being treated too harshly or you, you're, you're being pushed beyond your limits, you could just tell them, hey, um, I've had enough, you know, don't yell at me anymore and, you know, go away. <laughs> I mean, there's some people that say that that's a good thing. And then some people who are like, dude, that, that takes away what our grandfathers went through in the military. Oh. That takes away the, the toughness that you're supposed to be building up in the military. That takes away, what are you going to do on the battlefield? You know, you're just going to hold up a card and say, no, it's, it's created a lot of debates. And it's like, I don't know what to believe. Is it right? Is it wrong? You know, I mean, there is something to be said about, you know, sort of like a rite of passage that we kind of get from our dads or our fathers about, you know, you have to know how to survive in this world. It's, it, it can be brutal out there. It definitely can. You know, do you have an example of like where you really learned that, yeah, life is not coming the way that we, the way that I was told it was. And I really have to learn how to figure this out. You know, honestly, uh, growing up, I've always envied, uh, some of, well, some of my friends, you know, some of my other friends, they were in the same situation as me where they either didn't have the mother around or their father around. But, you know, in my case, I had both parents around, but then, you know, I just felt like their priorities were, were different from, from other culture and from other parents, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, it was more, I guess it's an Asian thing where reputation is more important than your kids. You, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's not the first time that I've heard that. Do you think it's rooted in like a good thing or it's something that, hey, we did that back 200 years ago and it's time <laughs> to change with this? Uh, I, I honestly don't know how, how far back it goes, but then it's just that it, it seems to be a very common thing in my culture, you know, but uh, so that's one thing that I'm trying to break, you know, it, right now. It's just that my family, my kids, they're my first priority. So. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Then we live in an area where it's a much higher percentage of Asian population than some parts of the rest of the country. So I think I can say that both me and you have seen a lot of that from different cultures, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, Cambodian, Laotian. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of those, those cultures over here. And, you know, even in talking to some of our friends, you know, we, we feel the pressure sometimes where like, you know, am I supposed to be up here, but, you know, can I get there? Maybe my path is somewhere else. Yeah. Do my parents understand that? It's, uh, it's been something that, I, that, I, that I've talked to some of my other friends about, about, you know, expectations, where you're supposed to be at at a certain point in your life. And, you know, maybe back in the day it was, yeah, by 25, you're supposed to be married with two kids and have a home and you have a 30 year career or a job where you can spend the next 30 years in. And it's like, it's not like that anymore. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't always work out that way as much as we wanted to. Yeah. Do you wish it did? 
I mean, in a perfect world, I mean, like, yeah, sure. You know, I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, I would like to. I would like to have been married by 25, have kids before I'm 30, you know, but, uh, but you know, th- you know, these are the cards that I'm dealt, you know, that I was dealt, you know, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, like I said, you know, it's, uh, after everything that's been going on or, you know, everything that happened in 2020, you know, I don't take life for granted. Like, you know, uh, I'm just, I'm grateful that I have a wife, you know, who's, pretty much just loving, caring, and just honest, you know, just all of the above. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I, I may have had our first kid, you know, you know, in our mid thirties, but you know, I'm just, I'm just glad that he just came out healthy and we get to see this little guy grow up, you know, and honestly, it's, uh, my wife and my son, they're, they're the two best things that ever happened to me. Age is nothing but a number, man. <laughs> I mean, we're living a lot longer than our parents ever did. That's true. Like we know the importance of taking care of ourselves and eating right and kind of reducing the, the stress that we may have seen our parents have mm-hmm. that we know we can get around. I'm actually excited. It's kind of weird that it used to be you would re- retire at like 50. Now it's like, you know, you had to work a lot longer than that, but so many people are going to be in a position where they can, they're going to be physically healthy, That's true. you know, 65, you know, in 15 years or so is going to be like 45, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Like, you know, just because we prolong things longer than maybe our parents' generation, it doesn't mean anything. It's like, we're still enjoying it. You still have uh, your baby boy, maybe another one soon, you know? Yeah. That's an exciting thing. Yeah. We're actually uh, working on number two right now. So uh, wish us luck. That is so awesome. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I wish you the best on that one. Yeah, thank you. It's funny that you mentioned that 2020 was a a really challenging year because you faced a challenge that very few people have ever faced and you've come out of it a lot stronger. And it's something that I've never actually told you this, but I respected you and I really admire you a lot for the things that you went through and how you were able to handle it. I know a lot of people who, if they were in your same situation, would have been running for the hills. They would have said the world's over. They uh, would have done a lot of irrational things. But you kept your, your cool through that. And you've gone through it. And you've come through very much unscathed in that. But still, for those that uh, don't, don't, don't know you, you're a survivor of brain cancer. And, I mean, that's just been, it's been something that's, you know, even from us, from us on, on, on the side, me and my wife watching you guys go through it and not understanding what you're going through every day. And we can just only imagine to see you come out of it the way you did. It's been very uh, inspiring. But how did this whole thing come up? Because it's not something that you can just look on your arm and say, oh, there's something wrong here. What do I do about it? How did that whole thing even come to light? Well, about five years ago. Um, yeah, I, I started to have diminished hearing in my left ear and uh you know i went to the doctors several times and saw two three different specialists and they've all misdiagnosed me they, they just said this allergy it was due to allergies that you know um inflammation was you know they, they saw even through the cat scan that inflammation went from the nasal passageway to the ear canal that you know that's what was causing the diminished hearing, you know, 
with the, um, yeah, just me having diminished hearing. And uh, so, you know, they prescribed me anti-inflammatory, um, allergy meds, and, uh, you know, luckily it, uh, it went away just in time for my wedding. Wow, was that close? Yes. It, uh, so so, so uh, it came back. Uh, it came back. Uh, so my hearing came back just in time for the wedding. And I want to say a week or two after the wedding, bam, it felt like uh, it sounded like I had water in my ear again. So then, yeah, went back to the specialist. They prescribed me more meds. And then it wasn't up until, geez. Yeah, 2020, last year. Uh, that was when I reached out to the uh, ear, nose, ear, nose, and throat specialist. And I'm like, hey, um, nothing's working. And so, <laughs> so I'm just like, uh, is there surgery to be done? Or can, is there like a transplant that you guys can do so I get my hearing back? And so then, uh, luckily, um, a different ear, nose, and throat specialist reached out to me because the guy that I reached out to no longer worked there. So then, like, uh, so this specialist, he said, hey, um, I'm reading your file. There's something off about your case. Uh, can you come in and see me? So it, it was a really long day. Yeah. It's like I had, like, two different series of hearing tests done, and then they confirmed that I had permanent hearing loss in the, in the left ear. Jeez. Yeah, and then, uh, and then the same specialist said, okay, it's very rare, very, very rare that you have a tumor in your brain, but let's rule that out. So we're going to schedule you to get an MRI tomorrow just to rule it out, but it's rare. I was like, okay, all right, sure. <clears throat> and mind you, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm very claustrophobic. <laughs> so oh then, man so then they shoved me into the mri machine and um they pretty much covered my face with a plastic i guess covering so then i had like this much room in front of my face and then i i, I came this close from saying hey i gotta get out of here i'm about to have a panic attack <laughs> whoa that's yeah like but uh, but he said uh, the uh, I guess the uh, the technician said okay just close your eyes and try to control your breathing and think happy thoughts. <laughs> right? Pretty straightforward. Shouldn't be too hard, right? <laughs> right. Oof. Like a big a big tough guy like me or someone who looks like me is claustrophobic. <laughs> Man. Right. But uh, so you know it it took about forty five to an hour and. Uh, I went home, took a nap before work, and then that was when I got a call two hours after. And the uh, the NT specialist said, hey, are you driving? I go, why does he need to know why I'm driving? <laughs> he has bad news for me. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I told him I was at home, and then he broke the news to me. And uh, he just, I don't know, it's just, uh, he would just very apologetic and then I could just by the tone of his voice that he felt for me you know and so then yeah and then um, a, a team of surgeons reached out to me um, I want to say uh, a couple of weeks after 
And then, you know, we had this game plan. I spoke with a radiologist. Of course, the radiologist said, you know, based on the size, we can do radiation, but the radiation can irritate the tumor and it can cause it to get inflamed and then it's going to make surgery that much more difficult. Jeez. Yeah. And then I, and, and then my, the, the main surgeon, the main guy that was in charge, he reached out to me and he said, yeah, surgery is the way to go. Why? Just, <laughs> man, like what even, like, what do you say to that when this is all happening literally in a matter of a couple of days from the time you get there to the MRI till you get the call, are you driving? And now pretty much what you thought was just like a headache or uh, something wrong with the ear. That's, man, how'd you process that? Did you process that? <laughs> uh, as soon as I got the news, uh, I told my wife, and I, I don't know if she processed it right, right away either. And then um, her parents w were actually uh, there um, with us because, um, you know, they're also helping babysit. So then, you know, uh, you know uh, the dad, you know, he took it well. The mom, she kind of got teary-eyed. And, uh, and then the wife, you know, she didn't, she was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> kind of thing, you know. And then, uh, and then for me, you know, I, I, I needed time to process what's going on. So then I decided, you know, just to go to work early. Yeah, even though I still had two hours to spare, I just sat in the parking lot. And then, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think that was when I called one of our close buddies and I told him about it. Dude. And then, and then I clocked in for work. <laughs> Man. And then how long after that did they have surgery? Whew. Uh, it only took, uh, it only took a couple months, uh, for the surgery to happen. But, uh, uh, but my surgeon, he did say that it was a slow growing tumor. Uh, it's probably been growing for about 10 years, you know, 10 years. Yeah. You know, because, years. yeah, because of the size. And, uh, he also said that it's, uh, the tumor that I had was called an acoustic neuroma, which is a slow growing tumor. And lucky for me. Uh, the tumor is usually benign, which means it's not cancerous. Yeah. Yeah. So then I had my surgery November 5th. Um, the surgery went well. They took everything out. Um, I completely lost hearing in my left ear. And uh, they went and got a biopsy uh, after they removed all of the tumor. And uh, they confirmed that the tumor is benign. So thank God. It was not cancerous. Wow. Yeah. Jesus, man. And as a result, what was it? You were, you were semi-paralyzed on the left side? Yeah. Um, so right now, I have a permanent hearing loss in my left ear. And uh, I still have facial paralysis on my left side of my face. Um, it's slowly coming back. But uh, it's been about six months now. Yeah. So, yeah, just trying to be patient i think i told you this too like if if you never told me that i would have never have guessed that you were 
like suffering from paralysis because it, you know, I can't see it. I can't see it until you tell me to stop and look <laughs> and say, watch this. And I, Oh, well now, now I can see it. But dude, that's to be able to go through all that, man. And to know that it had been growing for like a decade. Yeah. And it's like, if you, if you were to think back, like, were there any signs? Uh, well, before the hearing loss, um, I definitely got bad migraines. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, you, you can't ignore your body, you know, like migraines aren't always just migraines, you know, there's underlying issues. So it's always good. You know, it's, it's always good to get a second opinion, third opinion, you know, just, uh, talk to your physician, you know, keep pushing it on them. You know, it's like, uh, you're your only ad, uh, advocate. Dude, yeah, migraines. Now, that's something that we would think now, hey, just take a couple of pills and you'll be good, right? So no oh, yeah. big deal. Especially at your age, where were you like 21 at the time when that <laughs> happened? It's like, take a couple of aspirin, call it a day. Yeah. Man. So if there's somebody out there listening and they've been having migraines for a while, is there anything that you can kind of tell them about what you can say 2020 hindsight? Like this was something that, yeah, I should have saw that as the key to say, let me go get a specialist. Well, well, for one, um, my migraines uh, were so bad that it left me out of commission the entire day. Like mm. my migraines were so bad that I wouldn't be able to drive. Wow, so that obvious or that apparent. Yeah. What you think it was? Like were you just having, I uh, must not have gotten enough sleep the previous night or I was working too long and that's probably what it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, in my profession, I do work crazy hours. Like, I would work 16, 24 hours straight without mm. any sleep, you know, or sometimes I would forget to drink water or not enough water, too much caffeine, you mm. know. I, you know, pretty much there's times where I don't take care of myself, so I just thought that was that, you know. But, um, and two, I would say that, you know, it wasn't just me. It's like, uh, what I haven't told you was that uh, a former colleague of mine, he got diagnosed with the same exact tumor. Yes, dude. Yeah. So um, we worked at Crunch Fitness about five years ago. Yeah, so yeah, we were just like, apparently we were just two guys walking around Crunch, working out, training our clients with a tumor in our head, not even know it. Yeah, so uh, once I heard his story, I reached out to him, and then I told him what I had gone through. And uh, yeah, we've just been talking ever since, and he just, you know, I've just been trying to be there with him every step of the way, because it's definitely scary stuff. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Was it all those knockoff supplements they sell? <laughs> I mean, that's just, to have that forever tumor from two people in the same building, <laughs> I mean, man, that's just... Wow, how's he doing? You know, I mean, he's doing he's doing good. Um, you know, he's thirty nine. Uh, he has three kids, has a wife. You know, and uh, yeah, this guy's healthy as a bull. And uh, and then, you know, I know it's sad to say, but then, you know, of course, when it came when it comes to fitness, I kind of lost my way when I when I when I quit crunch. But then with him, you know, he's a he's still a fitness fanatic. You know eats healthy, drinks healthy, 
you know, and then for him to get it, I'm just like, okay, so I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's a <laughs> way to yeah. look at it. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's uh, he's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess maybe he's uh, better at hiding things than I am because it seems like he's taking it a lot better than I ever did. Did he already do his surgery and get through that? His surgery is next month. Wow. Yeah. Is he having the same issues with the uh, with the ear? Yes. Yeah, and then like for him, um, yeah, same thing. He's he started to lose hearing in, the, in his left ear, but you know, um, one thing that he kept ignoring was migraines. Mm. Same thing, migraines. Same like length of time, like yeah, for the past decade, you know, I would get him and just it's no big deal, right? <laughs> I mean, like uh, we didn't really talk about how long he's been having migraines, but then uh, his wife. Um, pretty much just uh, posted on social media saying that he he was ignoring his migraines for the longest time. Crazy. And that um, he had diminished hearing in his left ear. But he just thought that, you know, it was his kids yelling in his ear. That happens. I got a coworker like that who has my who has a history of migraines, and he'll just have to sit down and like, dude, it's coming up. With that. We all thought it was his wife, but now I'm like, uh, maybe you want to <laughs> check that out, dude, because... Uh, that's pr- the way it keeps going. It's probably a sign you should go see somebody, man. What does that say about Kaiser though? Do you really blame the system, the medical system? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's I really sh- tough. It's just like my, my general physician, you know, didn't catch it, you know? And then, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned earlier, but then I saw an allergist to see what I was allergic to. So I could stay away from the you know from those things that would cause my body to have infl- you know inflammation yeah you know and then you know he didn't catch it i wouldn't expect him to catch it but the most frustrating part was my ear nose and throat specialist he did not catch that not once so now my thing is like okay i don't know how how long doctors go to school for uh 10 12 14 16 years especially if you specialize in that you know, you specialize in that. Yeah. So then you're telling me that the whole time that you went to school and you did your study, you did your research, that not once you've heard an acoustic neuroma, a.k.a. vestibular schwannoma. Man, bring it closer. Uh-huh. There you go. Now I can hear you better. Yeah. That's, and how long, well, you probably didn't ask him how long he's been a doctor for, but <laughs> I'm like, how many times did you see him before you went to another specialist? Um, I saw him once, but then, uh, yeah, and then, you know, I just, I was just trying to follow what he was, uh, pretty much what he was prescribing, mm-hmm. you know, and then it didn't work. It did you know, partly it's my fault too, you know, it's life happens. I let a few years go by, you know, and then it wasn't until 2020 and that was when I was just like, hey. I really like my hearing back. I'm starting to get panic attacks here. <laughs> like, I'm never going to get my hearing back. Yeah. Like, I'm losing patience here. And then that was in, yeah, the, like I you know, mentioned earlier, the difference, you know, another specialist reached out to me and then ordered an MRI. And if that's, was he even assigned to you or he just happened to be taking over the cases and that actually took the time to look into your file to say, it, this isn't right. 
Well, um, that one specialist, he no longer worked there. So the guy that who reached out to me, that he took over that department. And he took the time to go look in your file. And you hadn't been there for probably how many years Yeah, to um, see the specialist? I want to say two, two years or so. I want to say, yeah, like about two years. And then when I reached out to to the specialist that was no longer there, I guess he caught on to the email. Mm. I guess the email got forwarded to to the guy who's now, you know, currently in charge. Wow. Yes. That's, you know, man, to think that if he didn't take the time <laughs> to actually look back at a file that's two years old and who knows how many files were in between you and when he started, man, that's just crazy. That's like fate, man. That's like, <laughs> you know, that's like, you know, we, 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 we were, we were too young to actually see it, but it's like in the cold war, like how close we were to someone pressing that magical nuclear button. And there was always somebody there at the right time to say, no, I'm sure that's a false alarm. <laughs> it's like, we wouldn't even be here right now if someone jumped the gun. It's funny how things work that way. Like the right person at the right time to say, this isn't sound right. Let's get you in. Let's figure this whole thing out. That's, that's, that's just crazy. And then, you know, going back to what you said earlier, I did not know about that, your your wedding. Like, it had been bothering you, bothering you, and then for your wedding, it just, it cleared up. Yeah. Just in time for you to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, a, yeah, it came back just in time for the wedding, and then a week or two after, bam, it was gone. It was like, uh, I had diminishing once again. Man. Yeah. That's, you know, I don't know. I'm not a religious person, but, uh, man, there's something to be said about that. Like just like, those are just some funny coincidences that like the, everything <laughs> had to happen just right. So it's like, yeah, this isn't your, your time. We're going to get this taken care of. But to see you persevere through that has been, has been a great thing to watch. And it's funny how you're talking about taking care of your body. Like how many years were you a personal trainer? I want to say I was a personal trainer for a good five years. Jeez, what got you into that? Besides just wanting to work out and probably getting free classes. <laughs> well, um, you know, my whole life, um, I've always struggled with weight. You know, it's just like, uh, yeah, you know, I've never been one of those kids was like, you know, who who just grew up built thin. You know, I've always struggled with weight. You know, and. Uh, I was able to drop, you know, 20 pounds, you know, just uh, doing a lot of cardio and I, yeah, I was doing a lot of running and, um, and then pretty much uh, I was just like, you know, I really want to help others, mm. you know, so I was just That's like, big. you know, it's just like, even though I still don't have, you know, at the time, I didn't have a six pack, you know, I still hadn't met my goal yet, you know, there's always a new goal to meet. You know, and then my thing was, I'm not in perfect shape. You know, I don't look like a supermodel right now. I'm not, an, I don't look like an actor, but I, w I want to take this time to help others because I know what it's like to feel disgusted off of your body. Jeez, that's big to say, man. <laughs> I mean, it's like define perfect. I mean, all that stuff that we see on social media, like that's just, uh, that's like a whole another world there. I mean, <laughs> you did, <laughs> I knew somebody once who was a competitive bodybuilder and you know, when he would do the shows, it's like, okay, you know, dude, look, dude's taking care of himself. I mean, more props to you. Can you teach me how to do those things? Cause that's pretty good. And it's like, 
Sometimes you find out the dirty secret about how, what it actually takes to get that. And it's like, all right, for the average everyday person, me, you, people that we live and see every day, it's like, come on. It's like, forget about what you may be taking and just talk about like the eating. Yeah. Like, like, oh, that's, that's what you have to eat every day. And if you eat like a scoopful too much, if that's it, that's the end of it. <laughs> like, Dude, some of these people get so upset if they don't hit those numbers. Like, I got to hit 1,512 calories. If I go 1,515, I screwed up. And you see him go on crazy fits for a couple of calories. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to put on a couple of pounds? Like, come on, really? <laughs> Man, it's just, there's just a, I mean, I believe in fitness and long-term well-being and actually taking care of yourself. But, I mean, there's got to be a line, man. There's just no, it's true. I mean, 3% body fat, you're going to carry that with you the rest of your life. And you're. And what is that going to get you? Is that going to bring you happiness? Yeah, you know, it's like, uh, I think for the average person, it's definitely not realistic. And uh, I don't know. I don't think that's healthy either, you know, you know, especially with this com- competitive bodybuilding. You know, more props to them, you know, great for them. But I feel like over time, it, it definitely takes a toll on their body because, it's just like the day where they have to compete or where they do the shows, I think they go a couple of days without drinking water. It's just so their muscles can look more defined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, are you going to look like that every day <laughs> when you wake up in the morning? Like, do you think you're significantly gives a damn or cares if uh, you actually up? Oh, let me see. Mm, nope. You put on too much weight over. You have one too many donuts and that's the end of it. Man, it's just. And social media doesn't actually help that. You know how no. just like, I don't go on it that much, rarely do. Maybe I spend less than 10 minutes a day and that's if I'm really like looking through the post, like what's going on today? Some of these people are like, it's their life. Eight, nine, 10 hours a day, scroll, scroll, scroll. What did this person in Kansas do? How about that that that, that girl in um, the Ukraine or whatever? What is she doing? It's like, good God, you just... This isn't the this isn't the probably the best way you should be modeling yourself <laughs> after people you've never met with expectations. You don't even know if those photos are photoshopped, to tell you the truth, which most of them I'm gonna say most of them, but there's a lot of that out there. It's like concentrate on the people around you. These are the people that you know, your friends, your family, the people you see every day. Do you really think anybody cares if you look a certain way, if you have the right measurements and whatnot? <laughs> Exactly. Like nobody cares. You will not lose a date because you're three pounds overweight or over <laughs> your goal. <laughs> your, your, your mom's not going to kick you out the house because you ate one too many donuts. It's like, <laughs> it's getting, it's getting that bad sometimes. It's like just, you know, you just walking down the, the street here and you know, I'll just be walking down, down the corner here and there's somebody here like Instagram photo right now, like in front of a random whatever. And it's like, I have to get the right pose. And if I don't, then I'm not going to get any followers. <laughs> like, man, it's brutal. Like, I'm sure you had those, those, those clients when you were a personal trainer about unrealistic expectations. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But then, like, you know, and then, like, you know, with most of my clients, I'm, you know, I was able to get through. But then, of course, you know, it's just you're not going to be the perfect trainer for every single individual. So, of course, there were times where I passed off clients to other trainers because I'm just like, okay, you know, what you're asking and your lifestyle, it's not going to work. So, you know, so it's like, if what I'm saying is not going to get through to you, someone else is going to have to talk to you. Yeah. You know, and, and if that person can get 
you to where you want to go, you know, the body type that you want based on your lifestyle and how hard you party every weekend. You <laughs> <laughs> know, it's oh, like, man. okay. So that's why I'm just like, okay, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I like to believe that I, uh, yeah, I got through a lot of my clients, but of course there were some that had to fire or some I just have to like, just let go. Now, was there that one that was like, I have three weeks and you need to get me into this shape. Otherwise, no bueno. <laughs> Do you have anybody to that extreme? I guess I got lucky. No, no, not to that extreme. But then like, um, I guess my, uh, I guess I was lucky enough to, because uh, like for me, I specialized in training athletes. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So then like uh, pretty much, uh, yeah, I trained athletes or athletes who fell off and who wants to get back into fitness. Mm. So That makes sense. They're already into the mindset. They know what they got to do and yeah. they're much more willing to, to learn. Uh, that's, man, a lot of people, and not just with working out, but a lot of people are looking for the magic pill. Like <laughs> if I do this, give me, give me, I'll pay whatever. Tell me the easy way to do this. I ain't got time. I got, I'm traveling. I got to go to work. I got to do this to tell me the easy thing. Dude, what was it? 20 years ago. Do you remember that, that fat burning supplement? I think it was Zenitrin or something with the Ma Huang that nobody knew about. <laughs> remember that stuff? Jeez. I don't, I mean, I think I remember something like that, but I can't remember what the name was. That you want to know how crazy it was? I saw that stuff on TV when I was like 18 years old. And I mean, of course you're 18, you're stupid. You don't know anything, but you watch it on TV and it's like, uh, take this pill and you know, you too will look like this guy here who's holding the bottle with 3% body fat. So man, like I was an idiot. I actually bought that stuff. I'm like, okay, I'll take it and do a couple of crunches. I'll be good. Right. Yeah. It didn't work out that way. Dude, one time I had a really bad reaction. Like I was just sitting there like convulsing in my stomach because oh, I, I think I took too many of that stuff. Cause I'm like, well, just more is the better. Right. This is going to burn everything off. Like life's good. And yeah, I, I learned the hard way that all that stuff it, that doesn't mean it, you know, and I just couldn't see how, when they advertise that, how the little things that they do to manipulate you or marketing does to manipulate you by putting the perfect model on the camera, holding the bottle, you just associate <laughs> that with that. If I take that, I'll look like that. And then not even think about, uh, you know what that guy probably did to get that way. <laughs> it wasn't that bottle. I mean, yeah, but I not, even, that was like the working out part like that. But even now it's like, I see so many young people or people in general, just trying to find the easy way out of everything. And I mean, we're in our mid to late thirties, both of us. So we kind of know that at our age, it, the, the world that we see now is different than how we looked at it when we were 20, 21 years old. I mean, we know now that there is no one solution to do everything. Like I can't go and tell somebody if you do A, B and C, you're going to get that result guaranteed. You yeah. Know? Life's not that easy. <laughs> but so many people think it is. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when you just, how often do you go on Instagram? Do you ever go on Instagram? Well, I think, uh, I go on it, you know, once a day, you know, I like to go on there to, you know, check on friends, check on family. See, like that, like checking yeah. on people that we know, like whose birthday it was and what they did today. Like that's kind of what it was meant for. Yeah. 
this whole thing has evolved into something else where now I'm like a 15 year old person. I'm comparing my, myself to somebody who's 20 in a different country. Got, you know, who knows what they're doing over there? <laughs> but yeah, for some reason, I think that I have to do that in order to be happy. Yeah. And the, you know, the scary thing is there's so many people out there who capitalize on that. Like, oh, okay, you want to be told that answer. So if I can sell you something that makes you think you're going to get that answer, then I'm going to get money out of you. And if you don't do it, that's your fault. You know, you know I, I gave you the stuff. So many people are just so dependent on the easy answer. And one thing that I want to get through with, with, the, with the show as it uh, uh, can, uh, continues on, hopefully I can get it to continue on for a long time, is just to show people that there is no one answer to everything. No. You know, there is... You know, people that I that I talk to like like you, like real people who go through everything every day and see the world without you know the filters of social media. That you have to figure out your own way to get through life. Yeah, we're me and you, we're we're living proof. It's um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, definitely we've you know I've been through a lot, you've been through a lot, and it's like to be able to see this is how we would be at when we were nineteen or twenty. Would have never figured that if you'd have told me at eighteen years old that. I would have all this, but it would take me 20 years. I probably would have said, forget that. That's too long, man. I want right now. I want to know right. He, he's got it right, right, right now. My buddy's got it. How come I can't get that life? You know, how come I can't get that nice car because his daddy bought it for him or something. Exactly. Um, but I really hope that the message that gets out to everybody with all the guests that I have on the, the show is that we can tell you how what's worked for us. It may not work for you. You know, what we experience, what we see, how we get through life every day is, you know, relevant to us and our struggle and what we learned and take what we actually did and do what you need to do with it. Take a little bit here. Don't listen to us, whatever it is, but understand that you got to find your own way in life. And, you know, it may not be the way your friends do it, no matter how easy they make it seem. And no matter... (laughs) No matter now, we got to worry about what social media says and what somebody in a country four thousand miles away did. It's um, yeah, it's definitely something that always kind of gets me. It was kind of the reason why I started my original podcast in the beginning, mm-hmm. until I realized that a lot of kids that age, like me when I was that age, we don't really listen. You know, that's me anyway. How about you? When you were twenty, if someone came to you and told you, you know, if you did this for for, for ten years, you'll be good, you probably would have been like, um. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. um, What about right now? Yeah. It's like, this is my youth. I'm supposed to go out and have fun and supposed to go travel and party and meet people and do all this stuff because that's what they do in the movies. Exactly. Jeez, I remember like (laughs) watching movies like American Pie or like not another teen movie (laughs) and thinking that was the way that, oh, that's supposed to be in college, right? That's what they do. So I must be right. And like, yeah, that doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, but it's just, uh, uh, it's a crazy world out there. So to be able to see what, 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 what you've gone through and how you've gone through some of these challenges, like there's no book for that. There is no, Hey, uh, you know, <laughs> Oh yeah. There's, there's definitely no manual for life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, a, yeah, you know, it's just like life happens and, uh, yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta roll with the punches. And uh, easier said than done, but at the same time, like I said earlier, I'm living proof. You know, it's uh, you, you just gotta stay positive. You know, stay positive. Uh, hang out with the with the right people. 
you know, hang out with the right friends, you know, hang out with family, hang out with people who, who lifts you up, you know, people who support you, who love you, who care, you know, who cares about you. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned that, like going back to our teenage years, you know, we both knew people that, you know, they, let's just say that they didn't take the right path in life. You know, who knows where they're at now, if they're in jail, if they're whatnot, you know, we will both know our fair share of that. It's like, how did you find ways to avoid not falling into the, into the element where it's like, I could go down this path here. What kind of kept you grounded? I would say my wife, my, my, I would have to say my wife, I met her at 18, 19, pretty much, you know, she saved my life. You know, it's, uh, I was going down the wrong path. I was hanging, I was hanging around with the wrong friends, you know, wrong neighborhood, you know, name it. And, uh, you know, things weren't going right. And, um, uh, so then I was trying to steer clear from these group of people, you know, and, uh, don't get me wrong. You know, I still have a group of childhood friends that I hung out today. I mean, geez, I hung out with them two weeks ago, <laughs> you know, but like, uh, but there are people out there that I knew who I knew wasn't good for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, based on what they've done, what I've seen them do, and what they currently do. So I'm just like, I, you know, I didn't want to get, you know, dragged into that. So then, pretty much, one, I stepped away. Two, I met my wife, and then that was when she whooped me in a shape kind of thing because like uh what's crazy was that you know uh, both of our families uh they came from cambodia and um yeah pretty much came from cambodia as refugees with uh pretty much only the clothes on their backs and how we were raised were, were very different like her parents um they chose their kids first but my parents chose us last that's you know and then let's just say my wife and i we met you know she's the quiet one i was the loud one she was the innocent one i was the little punk on the street (laughs) you know and uh and then yeah it's like she pretty much whooped me into shape you know she forced me well you know she kept pushing me to go to college you know, and then for the longest time, I was like, no, college is not for me. I tried that. And, uh, and uh, I guess what really pushed me to go to college was when her parents said that she should go find someone else who has money. Oof. <laughs> they literally said that? Yeah, they said that. And I overheard it over the phone. And I guess so, so that right there pushed me to go to college. I earned my bachelor's degree. And then that was when her parents finally took me seriously. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, good news is you went to college. <laughs> May not have been the motivation we all would have hoped to have to say, <sighs> oh, that's what it takes. It's like, yeah. But the fact that you saw something special in her at that age, that's, that's first of all, rare even now. I mean, it was something that was more traditional in the 60s and, and before that. Now it's because we changed so much in our 20s. 
Oh yeah. What we think we want when we're 18, it's like by the time we're 23, something totally different. Oh yeah. And to be able to have that rock in your life that keeps you grounded, it's, that's a special thing. And it's a uh, way too often, uh, people take relationships like that for, for uh, granted. And sometimes we lose the ones that we care about the most because we get, especially guys, we get too caught up in our egos. Oh yeah. I'm right. And it, that's the way it's the way it's going to be. If you don't like it, you can leave. Oh, you left. Oh, <laughs> not what I do. It's, yeah, it's something that we need more of. We need we de- we we definitely need more of that strong grounding with people because, I mean, like like I said, social media doesn't help that at all. It's like, oh, if you're not happy, you can just get that Instagram model right there. I'm like, is it really going to make you happy? When you're 20, you probably think it does. What else? You know, you only got one thing on your mind as a guy who's that that young. So of course you're thinking, okay, I'll just do that because that's what everybody else does, right? <laughs> like it don't work that way, man. No, it doesn't. It don't work that way, and as as she can probably attest to, it's and the same thing with me as well. You really can't do it alone. Nope, absolutely not. It's uh, I had that problem thinking that I that I could do it alone for so long, and it's like I could put on a show, but really behind closed doors, it's like, you know, what am I really doing? Like, what's my motivation? Who am I? Um, who's motivating me to get better? You know, that's the thing that I still go through now is. How do I continue to work to be better? Because if I just get stagnant and say, I got a good paying job, I got a house, whatever it is, life's good. I can just put my hands behind my head, kick back and don't do anything. The second that that, that, that happens, now I'm losing ground because now it's, what are you going to do to improve yourself? Exactly. Um, what do I have to do? And I see so many people fall into that, that trap. It's like, you really have to find ways to push yourself to be better. And for some people, maybe that means you move on from the relationship that, that you're in because you're growing apart. That takes a lot of sacrifice to actually be able to figure that out. But, you know, growing and making us and make yourself better. And I guess the one thing I would say from when I was 18, 19 years old is I thought I had a time limit. Like I'm supposed to do all this by 25. I'm supposed <laughs> to have a degree, married, kids, house by the time I'm 25, because that's kind of what my uh, parents generation did. Thankfully, my, my, my parents didn't like kind of push that on me like, you know, you're getting older and where's my grandkids? They didn't do that to me. So yeah. I, I was able to have the freedom. But I knew so many people that they just got caught up in that. Like, you know, mom and dad said this. The ants are always bugging me for this. And I guess I just got to do it because that's what everybody says. And then they later find out, yeah, um, it didn't work out the way that I really wanted to. So to be able to have someone in your, your, your corner growing with you. And you're both making each other better. Mm-hmm. That's that's really key, and it lays the foundation because now you both know what it takes, the sacrifice you need to make to raise a child. Exactly. Remember, you you told me once, and we 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 kind of laughed about it, but it does take a village to raise a child. It sure does. <laughs> like just to be able to say that you're both on the same schedule, you both have the same mindsets, you know, you're both going to get irritated at times because that's just human nature. But you come together because you know what the bigger goal is here. Exactly. Is to bring this child into the world, raise him well, and potentially have a sibling coming up soon. We'll see how that one though. Hey, Good sure. luck with that one. Yeah, keep the fingers crossed. Thank you, thank you, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a lot to ab- absorb, and it's really something that I hope that people who listen to this and going forward realize that we're not telling anybody, do this and you'll be happy. It's you got to find your own way. You're going to struggle. We all do. But take what people have done as a, le- a, le- a lesson. Take a little bit out of that. Yeah. Know that there's going to be 
there's light at the end of the tunnel. Even if you're 21, you're like, that's just so far away. And you know, I'm, I'm never going to get there. It's, you know, you'll get there eventually. Oh yeah. It's just going to take long. I mean, look, you know, we're in our mid, mid, uh, mid thirties. It took us this, this long to get here. You know, time flies, but when you're 20, it's, it's that's too far away, <laughs> man. This has been a really fun conversation, man. It sure has. Yeah. I, again, I really appreciate you doing this and thank you so much for being able to talk a lot about stuff that I never even knew. <laughs> like that, that still trips me out. The, uh, wedding story. Like no, like none of us who were there knew that you, 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 you would never say anything, but it's like, again, <laughs> underneath the radar, like how certain things happen in a funny way to make sure that you get to enjoy that day. Mm-hmm. Like that's just crazy. That is, yeah, I don't know what this, what, what, what to really say about that. I mean, can't yeah. really say if it's like a, if you believe in God or whatever, but somebody's look, look, looking out for you. Somebody wanted to make sure you, 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 you were there to enjoy the day fully. Oh no. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely do believe in, you know, some, somebody out there is looking out for me and even to this very day, like, you know, I'm still alive right now. You know, even after everything that's been going on, I'm still alive and yeah, somebody up there is looking out for me. It's crazy, man. And I guess you have a better appreciation for life now, right? Oh, for sure. You know, I definitely don't take things for granted. You know, I'm just happy to be here, you know, for my loved ones, my friends, you know, especially, you know, my wife, my son, you know, I guess, uh, you know, um, I would have to say I've never been so scared of my life. You know, it was just, it was just one thing is if I was single, you know, if it was my time to go, it's my time to go. You know, I know my siblings, my mom, they're going to be okay without me. But now, okay, I've been diagnosed with a brain tumor. I'm going to have to go under the knife. They're going to put me under. There's a chance I might not wake up from anesthesia. They're saying it's, you know, it's an eight, nine hour surgery. You know, and they said there's a one percent uh, chance of death, but you know you hear so many horror stories of uh, you you know you being put under and uh, people people's body react to it differently. You know, so that was just like my my main concern was like I'm pretty sure the surgery's gonna go well, but what if I don't wake up? And uh, and uh, you know I'm gonna leave my wife without a husband and uh at the time geez he wasn't even one yet you know leaving my infant you know without a father yeah that i mean obviously i'm not in your mind but if there was anything (laughs) that i could say that was really at the forefront that would have been it right right there is that you're more like my son is one years old forget me and forget whatever scars or whatever i have it's him that i'm worried about and that I need to get through this for him exactly. to be there for him growing up. Like, that's so crazy. Like, so if there's anybody out there that is going through a similar thing in regards to the brain tumor and they're probably like, what do I do? Well, you know, this is a, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? What would you tell them to reassure them that obviously everybody's case is different. Mm-hmm. We're not <clears throat> medical doctors here. Uh, you're pretty close though. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we, we can't tell you exactly what to expect, but what would be the mindset you would give somebody about what they're about to go through? Um, so, you know, just anyone with uh, any condition with like, 
cancer or tumors, you know, it's, um, I would, I would say stay positive. You know, it's like, it's crazy how you just being positive can change things, mm. you know, and, and that, you know, it's just, of course it's not easy, but you know, it's just like, you know, surround yourself with people, you know, surround yourself with people who love you, who, who would lift you up, you know, and of course, stay busy. <laughs> That's a good one there. Yes, yeah, stay busy. And, uh, of course, you know, uh, don't give up, eat healthy, uh, you know, drink healthy, um, exercise, you know, cause, um, um, for me, uh, my doctors didn't tell me to eat healthy or drink healthy exercise. You know, they just said, just prep for surgery. But my thing is, my thing was, you know, it's just, I wanted to prepare my body physically and mentally for the surgery because anything can happen. So that, that's what I did. That's really good advice. I mean, as best as you can give to somebody who doesn't know what, what to expect and is thinking the worst, it's like, you know, think positive, have patience, can't control your, your, your nerves because you're going to have them, but you know, have faith in the Dodgers that you have, they're professionals and, you know, with the right mi mindset, you're giving yourself the best chance that you can to get through it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And last but not least, uh, yeah, you know, um, just don't listen to one doctor or two doctors, you know, get a, get a third opinion, get a fourth opinion. You know, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you get it, whether it's Kaiser, UCSF, Stanford, and, uh, it's just the biggest thing is get that second opinion, at least get that second opinion. That's all I, that's all I got to say. Great. <laughs> well, I appreciate the advice, man. Again, thank, thank you so much. And we'll end this one, one there, but I want to have you back on sometime in the future. Right on. We'll see, you know, impart more of your wisdom on the rest of the audience as well. Cause I know you're going to think about some other stuff that we can talk <laughs> about the next time. All right. This has been fun, man. Hey, for sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye everyone. Mm -hmm.